Well, hello again and welcome to Church at Home. We trust you're well. We trust that uh, you are being blessed even during this lockdown time. And uh, please let us know. Keep us informed of how things are going with you. Any prayer requests, let us know. And we'll gladly be praying for you. Before we get into the Word this morning, um, just a quick reminder that uh, our giving will be done online during this time that we are not able to meet together. So we appreciate your faithfulness in the giving. The details are on the screen, and uh, please go ahead and uh, give online during this time. Okay, so let's get into the Word, folks. This is Palm Sunday. It is one of those special dates in the Christian calendar, and it's the beginning of what we call the Holy Week, culminating coming weekend with the Easter weekend. And so being Palm Sunday, or also known as the day of the triumphant entry of Jesus in Jerusalem, it is a reminder, we are celebrating and remembering the events of that Sunday when Jesus entered uh, the city of Jerusalem and the multitudes came to greet him and they were shouting Hosanna. And so the title of my message this morning is Save Us. And the title is Save Us, not because of what we are going through right now, but because Save Us is what Hosanna means. That word Hosanna, it's actually a Hebrew word, and it means save us. By the time that Jesus walked into Jerusalem, that term was used as a praise, as a victorious praise shout. But we'll get into that a little bit later. That Sunday marked the beginning of that special week. The Jews were preparing themselves for the Passover, which would hap happen later that week. And uh, I want to look today at Palm Sunday from the point of view, from a perspective of prophecy and of history, both a history, historical context and a prophetic Context. Let us read some scriptures as we begin this message. First of all, in the Old Testament, I'm reading from Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is a prophetic scripture pointing forward to the day that a, a Messiah, a liberator, would enter Jerusalem. And this is how the entrance is described. Let's go to Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26. It says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. You see that in the beginning of the verse, it says, Lord, save us. That save us is the Hebrew Hoshana, Hoshana. And that is where the English then comes later, Hosanna, transliteration of the Hebrew term, which is used in the New Testament. Now, let us read the account, as told by Matthew, of when Jesus entered Jerusalem. It says there in Matthew 21, from verse 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. 
If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say, daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, we've just quoted the passage we read earlier on there in Zechariah, chapter 9 and verse 9, written hundreds of years before this event. Now, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. You see, Hosanna, that save us from Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the account of Matthew. The other Gospels also tell this very same story. Now, what is interesting is this, folks. Historians let us know or tell us that about the same time that Jesus was entering Jerusalem, there was another procession going on right about the same time. And that was the procession of Pontius Pilate also entering Jerusalem. You see, the Easter or the Passover, as we call it, the Passover, which the Jews are celebrating, it was more than just a religious holiday. There was a, a political kind of thing attached to it as well. There was a national pride there as well, because not only was it a religious holiday, they were also celebrating the day they were set free from Egypt, from the bondage, the day of liberation from being slaves in Egypt. You remember the story when they had to lock themselves in their homes and they had to slaughter a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost and stay inside? And then the angel of death would pass over Egypt and the firstborn of every family would die if that blood was not in the doorpost. And after that event, Pharaoh let God's people go. And so this Passover celebration was a reminder. They were celebrating their, their redemption so many years ago. But now they are again under bondage. Roman rules Judea. And so because it, it was such a, a, a politically charged, a nationally charged festivity, Pontius Pilate made sure that he was in Jerusalem. He wanted the Jewish people to know, hey, you may have had a victory back then. You may have been liberated from Egypt, but hey, today you are under Roman rule. I am here. We are here. And don't you guys dare cause any trouble. And so he would come in. There'd be lots of horses, there'd be lots of weapons, lots of soldiers, a show of power so that the people would take note and don't have any idea of doing anything strange. And so the people would see Pontius Pilate coming in and fear would be in their hearts. On the other side, 
there was Jesus coming in, seated on a donkey. And as people see Jesus coming in, they shout, Hosanna, they get drawn to him. What a contrast. When people see the Romans, they get filled with fear. When they see Jesus, they run to him with joy. As I said in the beginning, shouting, save us now, save us now. There was a horse procession, military, might, power. There was a donkey procession, humility, peace, no hostility. You see, back in those days, when a king came on a horse, it meant authority, power, war. He's coming to establish something. When a king rode a donkey, it meant he comes in peace. There's a humility over there. And that is what Jesus was doing. And Jesus was fulfilling prophecies that day. Messianic prophecies stated that their king would enter the city riding on a donkey, not on a horse. He would be a peaceful king, not a warring king. John 12, 16 states that only later, only after all these events, only after Jesus had been resurrected and ascended to heaven, did the disciples click and realize what was happening on that Palm Sunday. While all this is happening, they were not aware that Jesus is busy fulfilling prophecies. Only later they realized this. You see, the Jews were looking for a savior, someone who would liberate them from the Romans, someone like Moses that would come in and, and, and release them from the bondage of the Romans, like Moses had released them from the bondage of the Egyptians. As they approached Passover, and this was a thing that would happen every year during this time when the Jews were under Roman rule. Every year as, as Passover appro approached, they would wonder, they would hope that someone would come and liberate them. And, and many had tried, make no mistake, if you go back in history, many, many People or groups of people had tried to overturn the Romans with very bad consequences. Now, the Romans were, were aware of all these things, and they were aware of such people. They were keeping their eyes on them. But not only the Romans, the priests were also aware of such people. Because see, the priests were, were keeping a very, a very delicate balance between the Jews and the Romans. The Jews, the, the Romans, they allowed the, the Jewish people to keep their religion and to keep their festivities as long as they behaved themselves. And the priests and the, the authorities, the, the Jewish people that governed, they had to keep this balance. And they couldn't cause waves. And so they were also aware of fanatics and, and people trying to overturn the Romans. And they had to keep an eye on these people so that they could keep their position. They could keep the temple going. They could keep their status. It, it was a, a very delicate balance taking place over there. And to them, Jesus was a troublemaker. Jesus, to them, he was one of those guys causing trouble. And not only that, but he was appearing to break Jewish law, the, the things he did, like healing on a Sabbath and, and the way he spoke, the way he preached. And so he was in their eyes, in the eyes of the priests and the Jewish rulers, Jesus was trouble. And this day when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, these guys are watching him and they are worried about him. And so that procession 
set in motion something which culminated with the imprisonment of Jesus, with his false trial, and with his death on Friday. But that story we'll cover on Thursday when we come together. Remember, we'll get together to celebrate the Lost Supper and to have communion together and talk a bit more about, about this. Well, how does Palm Sunday speak to us today? You know what? The world today has built up a mighty military power, powerful weapons. And yet today, a tiny virus, a tiny virus has brought the world to a standstill. Not the huge bombs, not the weapons, a tiny invisible virus has brought the world to a standstill. There is no point now in this situation in calling up the army, unless it is to manage the crowds and make sure people stay indoors. The only hope today is to call on the Prince of Peace and remain faithful to that Prince of Peace. What is happening today is part of what has been foretold in Scripture concerning the end times. What is happening today is almost like a dressed rehearsal for what is still to come. A taste of what is possible to happen. A demonstration that a one-world system, the control of people, nations, finances, and governments is not an impossibility. And the Bible points to that. And for years, many people have disregarded the Bible and mocked the prophecies. Well, look around you. I don't think it's such an impossibility anymore, is it? The virus has caused not only physical illness and death, it has paralyzed nations. It has shaken the financial markets of the world. It has caused the oil price to tumble. It has stopped sporting events, even soccer and rugby. Can you imagine? It has postponed the Olympic Games. It has postponed weddings. Churches have ceased meeting on campus. Well, praise God that the church does not rely on a campus to meet that you're not bound to four walls, that we are the church. And the church will continue its work with or without buildings, amen? Because we are the church. The church is people. Schools have closed. Government departments have closed or are only partially functioning. Banks have partially closed. Because of an unseen enemy against which we have no weapon. We know how to limit its spread but not how to defeat it. Well, not yet anyway. One virus and our best military weapons are powerless against it. The world leaders have been aware of the potential and danger of a virus outbreak, but they've been more concerned with building military power than preparing for a pandemic. Military power is visible. It instills fear. A virus is invisible. Uh, but now what about us as individuals? So many of us have been told to prepare for eternity, to get our lives right with God. And yet we are more concerned with the things of this world than with eternal matters. You see, the things of this world are visible. You can see them where spiritual things are not. And so it's easy to focus on what you can see. There is a virus in this world which is more vicious than the coronavirus. There is a sickness that is more deadly 
than COVID-19. It's called sin, and it leads to death. The wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, spiritual death, separation from God forever. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You see, this life is not everything. There is life after this life, and we must be prepared for it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christians have been preaching this truth for years, year after year, decade after decade. And yet, so many people just ignore the message. Today, just like on that Sunday, Jesus offers peace, inner peace, eternal peace. He comes humbly, not with pomp and might, not with weapons and visible things to put fear in you. No, he comes humbly with an invitation. Have you turned to him? Have you received his offer of peace? Have you received his offer of forgiveness? His offer of salvation? Now, very often in times of crisis, people do turn to God. They turn to religion. They want to go to churches. They, they want to be prayed for. They want to connect with God until the crisis is over. Once the crisis is over, things slowly drift back into their usual pace. Maybe they come with certain expectations which are not fulfilled as they try to come closer to God or to the church, and then they kind of cool off in the faith. That same thing happened in that day when Jesus walked into Jerusalem. A lot of those people, they came running to him and crying to him and, Hosanna, save us. But they had certain expectations which, as the week progressed, Jesus did not meet their expectations. You see, many came to him looking for a political solution. Many came to Jesus hoping that he would be the one to release them from the bondage of the Romans. But as the week continued, they realized no, this is not going to happen. And so they quickly turned away from Jesus and rather shouted for Barabbas, a criminal and a rebel. Well, during this worldwide pandemic, many are seeking God, coming closer to God. But this pandemic will pass and things will return to a new normal. I don't think will ever, things will ever be as they were before, but they will return to a new normal, at least again for the season. Will we shout, save us now? And then once things go back to normal, kind of forget again about God. Will we run to God now and, 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 and want to get together in our churches and so forth? And then once things get back to the new normal, will we go back to business as usual and again forget about God? I hope not. Friends, I hope that during this season, not only will we turn to God, but that we will stick to God. Just like those, those few disciples back then that they ran to Jesus. And listen, even the disciples, when the weekend came, even the disciples had doubt. Of those 12 disciples, only one was there at the cross on, on Friday morning. Jesus himself remained faithful 
to his calling. He lived this, in this planet as a human being, like you and I. And he suffered. And he was rejected. And he had problems. But he hung on. He stuck to his calling until the end of his earthly life. And he calls us to follow him in the same way. To be faithful to him. To be faithful to our calling in God until the end. And so, when you say, Hosanna, save us. Say it as a declaration of victory. Not as a, oh, I hope I'll make it through this. No. Yes, save us, Lord. Say it as a declaration of faith, of conviction. That you know you have faith in the one who has saved you by forgiving you of all your sons, sins. The one that is saving you right now by giving you strength and protection every day. And the one who will ultimately save you when he gives us a new body, a resurrected body, an eternal body, a body that cannot catch any virus, any hojas, hallelujah. And we will live with him forever. Hosanna, hallelujah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, when you look at Jesus like that, even in the middle of a pandemic, you can get excited. I get excited, hallelujah, knowing that I'm going somewhere. The world, the, the history of the world has direction. We're moving towards something great and wonderful. So let us remember the events of this week in the life of Jesus. One third of the Gospels is dedicated to this one week in the life of of Jesus. Hey, you've got some time, so why don't you take your Bible, open up, go in, in all the Gospels, look up when Jesus enters Jerusalem, and then read from there all the way to the resurrection. Familiarize yourself with the events of this week in the life of Jesus. Spend time going through the Gospel. It will be very edifying to you. We will meet again on Thursday. Amen. Seven o'clock to celebrate that Lost Supper and have communion together. So have some bread and juice ready for us to take communion together. Till then, I pray that the Prince of Peace will rule your heart. Amen. I know there are many stories going around and, and there's a lot of false information or, or half-truths and, and people are getting things mixed up. Folks, listen, keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Let's get our information from the correct sources right now. But you know what? No matter what's going out there, it doesn't really matter what you hear or don't hear. Right now, we need to get through this. We need faith in Jesus. We need peace in our hearts. Let's get through this right now. Amen. And the Lord will get us through this. It's not the first time in history that events happen that cause tremendous pandemics or tremendous disturbances to nations. The church has got through it in the past. The church will get through this one again. So let's stay faithful to the Lord. Let's meet again on Thursday at 7. Let's meet again on uh, Good Friday at 9.30. Let's meet on Resurrection Sunday at 9.30. Let's keep on celebrating the goodness of God, His life, His salvation. And so may you have the confidence to know that even in difficult times, His word remains. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, Hebrews 13 and 5. And listen to these words from Isaiah 13, 1 as I close. Fear not, 
I want to repeat that. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, by your name. You are mine. Man, I invite you to, to look up that scripture. Maybe write it down and maybe put your name over there and, and comfort yourself, edify yourself with this scripture. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. You are the Lord's. I belong to the Lord. Therefore, let us not fear. Amen. Till I see you again, may the Lord bless you. Let us close in prayer. Father God, thank you again for this time together, for your word, for the comfort of your word, for the truth of your word, Lord, which remains. This world may be shaking, Father, but your word will remain forever. Thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. And my brothers and my sisters, myself, we are together in faith in you, Lord God. And though the world may shake, we will not be shaken. Our faith will remain in you, my God, and you will take us through this until we can see you face to face. Thank you for that, Father God. And so now, may the love of God the Father, may the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ remain upon you. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit comfort us and keep us close to Him, to one another, until we see Him face to face. And until we meet again, may the peace of God be with you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We trust that you are blessed by the service. Please go follow us and subscribe on all our social media platforms so that we can stay connected with you and keep you updated. We look forward to seeing you on Thursday for our last supper service. Stay safe and have a blessed week.